Hi, this is Jalen for Dobbs, where tire buying is easy. At GoToDobbs.com, shop brands, sizes, pricing, and our amazing deals. With 40-plus locations, get same-day install. For tires, it's Dobbs. For deals you can use, click on GoToDobbs.com now. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Time now for the balloon party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Welcome in. It's Balloon Party. Yes, yes. Monday morning, March 20th, 2023. Welcome. Jackson, the floor, yours. Let it all out. Well, Tim, I really had an outstanding weekend up until about Saturday at about, oh, 7.30. And it was documented in video form. I see clips sent in of people recording your live stream on YouTube in which you threw a water bottle in anger? Yeah, it was kind of. So I had a smoothie and my water bottle sitting uh, to my left, Tim. Mm. And, what flavor, boy? Uh, mango pineapple, vanilla protein powder, really good. You can text in 314-399-9646, Air Comfort Service, text line. Oh, it was. It would be better if it was It was just straight. I just ate protein no. powder right from the... No, <laughs> I'll tell you. I'm, I, 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 was, I was tuned in. Somehow we had two minutes before we went to one show to another, <laughs> and I got to hear the end of, uh, of the opening drive, and I'm angrier than a hornet right now. I feel like throwing my smoothie with mango and pineapple because that Randy character said, is McKernan still in Florida? You're damn right I am, Randy! <laughs> yes, I am in Florida, and ideally I'd be here permanently, but I'll be back in like 10 days. But you're damn right I'm in Florida. Still doing the show, so I'm angrier than a hornet. Jackson's angrier than a hornet, and now I might throw something, except I'm in a restaurant all by himself, and people are going to start coming out here and they're going to toss me out of me. They're going to, they're going to 86 me thinking I'm boozing in the morning. That's what they're going to think. <laughs> right. So I'm all angry and I realize I didn't give the text number to let the people harass you who have been waiting to do so since the moment Princeton took a 12-point lead. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, so the smoothie water bottle to the left. I got so frustrated that I kind of swept my arm across the table in goal to hit the water bottle and the smoothie. The smoothie fell to the floor. Luckily, it was covered with a lid, <laughs> so I didn't have to do any cleanup. But the water bottle, and this is a, I mean, I'll kind of here do some audio here. Like, this is a heavy water bottle. Like this. Oh, thing. so that could have caused damage to your uh, chateau. And it landed on my windowsill, so like this could have gone through the window, and that would have been oh, a wow. serious problem. because That would have been outstanding, so we could have heard the glass shatter. Shatter, and so they're like, got to replace the window, lose the security deposit, and it was 25 degrees outside with wind, so I would have been... <laughs> I just would have been freezing the rest of the night. Oh, like, had that would to put have been a wonderful. Garbage bag over my my window. So luckily that didn't happen. Uh, but yeah, I was uh, the definition of distraught, uh, upset, just pure disappointment. Like the start of the stream, nothing but joy, excited, and then the end of it was like uh, dying a slow death. Like I was just sitting there, like waiting for it, and it was brutal. Just brutal. And I love March Madness so much, but I could barely enjoy it from Saturday evening on because 
it's so much more fun to watch it when your team's already in the Sweet 16. And, uh, yeah, Because what happens then is you have, and Missouri wouldn't have played until Friday. That's, that's when you'll get a chance to see Princeton and Creighton, Jackson. I don't know if you'll be tuned in for it. But then you've got six days of a honeymoon. Six days of, listen to me, pure fantasy. Because for those six days, you and 15 other fan bases imagine the possibility of getting past the Sweet 16 and into the Elite Eight and the possibility of cutting down the nets in your regional. And you sit there and you think to yourself, maybe, just maybe, this is the year. And so not only was the season cut short by the 15th seed Princeton Tigers, your enjoyment, your fantasy was taken away in what was really uh, a a boring-ass execution by an Ivy League school. Yep, yep. They, they, I mean, they. The the thing that like I I saw in the first half when people were like, it's still a lot of game left. Is Princeton was comfortable as hell offensively. Like they were moving the ball, they were passing up open shots to get even more open shots. They were taking uncontested layups, uncontested jumpers, getting rebounds. I was like, nothing in this game so far has shown me that Missouri will come back and maintain a lead. Not one thing. They didn't find a single. Consistent source of offense. Kobe wasn't getting after it. Demoy Hodge wasn't getting shots up. It was a lot of DeAndre Golston and Noah Carter. And historically this season, the games they play the best are when Demoy Hodge and Kobe Brown are scoring at a high clip, which means transition, moving the pace, and Princeton grinded it out. And that's kind of the story of the game. So, so here is where I am on this. And I know you're very emotional. And if anything, in a way, I'm envious of your pure emotion. I realize right now you're experiencing the downside of it, but on Thursday afternoon and then Friday, and then you were on a high going into the game on Saturday evening, you have that pure joy and attachment to a team. And I think it's a thing of beauty, and that's why sports creates uh, passionate fan bases, whether it be in St. Louis or all over the world. But but because I, I wanted Missouri to win, don't get me wrong, but I don't have near the passion for Missouri basketball that you do. I looked at that going into it. And I, I did say this on TMA on Friday morning, uh, called in for about 20 minutes before uh, before uh, playing in the event I was playing in. And I said, I worry about this Princeton matchup because – Princeton's whole modus operandi is to slow the game down. Well, when is Missouri at its most dangerous? When it scores a bunch of points. And so you have this potential scenario, which has indeed played out in that Missouri loses to Princeton. And for some, both those who love Missouri and those who, for example, are experiencing schadenfreude and enjoying watching you experience pain, hate Missouri. And... And they're saying, oh, my God, they lost to Princeton. What a disaster. I looked at it and I thought, God, this is this is usually if you get a break of avoiding a number two seed and getting a 15 seed, you're thrilled. This is the worst case scenario in the perception game, because if they lose to Princeton, it will look terrible. But the reality is it's a really bad matchup for the way Missouri fires on all cylinders. And that is why. 
I thought that this could be a problem. Now, I want to be the first one to say your knowledge of the game of college basketball, your passion for it, it supersedes mine. I wouldn't even attempt to argue otherwise. But that's why I was high on Princeton against Arizona, not because I thought Princeton would win, but they were getting 15 points. And with this, I go, God, this could really be a debacle for Missouri. And then it would be perceived that they failed when they really should have won. And it's not to say that they shouldn't have won. But my point is, if Arizona would have done to Missouri what Princeton did to Missouri, the perception of the 2022-2023 Missouri Tigers would have been different because most people did not expect Missouri to get out of the weekend. And they thought it would be at the hands of either Utah State, who was a favorite, or Arizona. But because it was Princeton, it now colors the way that it's perceived. But in reality, this was not the number two seed losing to the 15th seed Norfolk State. This was a seven seed that wound up getting a seven seed because of a win against Tennessee, which is a sweet 16 team. I'm not dismissing it, but they were probably on the eight, nine line and they weren't necessarily expected to be in the sweet 16. And so from that standpoint, I think the expectations got built up because Princeton was the team to advance to play Missouri. But in reality, Princeton was a really bad matchup for Missouri. And so it's now turned into, oh, the Dennis Gage, maybe he isn't a good coach in the NCAA tournament because he got out coached, or Missouri didn't have the energy that they needed to have, or their fundamentals weren't there. And in reality, it, 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 when you're a team that wins, when you score 70 plus points, you're not going to, if they would have scored 70 plus points against Princeton, I would have been stunned. Right. So that is why I don't necessarily have the same emotional reaction because I kind of expected it, not because Mizzou's going to Mizzou, but because I looked at it from a matchup standpoint as being a really bad matchup for Missouri. Jackson, your basketball retort. Yeah, I think that, and I think that last line you said, like Mizzou's got Mizzou, like that this like this like notion that like Mizzou is the only team that's cursed that like loses. Like we saw Purdue lose to a 16 seed. We lost Arizona lose to this exact Princeton team. We've seen Marquette lose. Like teams lose when you play 40 minutes of basketball. Anything can happen. It is not a reflection on the coach or the team if you lose one game if you're supposed to win. It's neutral site games, which are essentially all road games, especially if you're playing that 16 seed or 15 seed because the neutral fans will get on the side of them. Like, it is not an indictment whatsoever. Mizzou did not match up well against Princeton. Would I still rather play Princeton in Arizona? Absolutely. That's no doubt. I'm not going to sit here and say, like, I'd rather play Arizona. That's crazy. I'd much rather right. play Princeton. Missouri just lost the game. They were a team that were up and down, but were able to maintain a good resume without quad two, three, and four losses. This would certainly fall into that category. And, uh, I mean, sometimes you get out executed, and sometimes you don't win games. And that's as simple as it is. You can make a big... You know, prisoner of the moment claim that Dennis Gates shouldn't didn't deserve the extension. This team wasn't all good all season, but that's just nonsense. That's that is that is lazy in my opinion. I think that you have to look into the entire context of the season, and you saw a really good, fun season from a team with very low expectations. So yes, I am disappointed because you probably couldn't have had an easier path to the Sweet 16. However, things like these this happen in, a, in the NCAA tournament. Simple as that. All right, Jackson has uh, voiced his displeasure. He is, we're, we're conducting some semblance of therapy on the program today. Uh, you are welcome to participate in said therapy. 314-399-9646, Air Comfort Service, text line. Jeremy Rutherford will be with us uh, coming up at uh, 1045. And the way I'm handling these, uh, these Blues uh, interviews here for this season, they're big picture interviews. That's how we had the Darren Pang conversation about his career as a goaltender last week. 
And uh, the audience voted and did a wonderful job. I think we've got a really good one for you with JR. So you might be like, dude, at this point, what are we talking about? But I, I got something for you. And I think it's going to be a good topic of conversation with JR. Uh, so that will be coming up at 1045. We will have, what do we have? The, this Monday edition is called uh, Jackson. Uh, as the little piddles wild weekend wrap up. Wild Weekend Wrap-Up is coming up in the next segment. You're welcome to get involved via the 101 ESPN app, leaving a mic drop. Tim McKernan, Action Jackson with you. This is Munganass, St. Louis Acura and Alton Toyota's presentation of Balloon Party on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Balloon Party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Welcome back. It's Balloon Party here on 101 ESPN. Driven by Munganass, St. Louis Acura and Alton Toyota. Tim McKernan in action. Jackson with you on the program. A lot of texts are coming in. Jackson, have you have you read them or have you decided to not read them today? How are you handling this in the Air Comfort Service text line? I, I've read some of them. Just, oh, man, they don't help. I'll be honest with you. They don't help. <laughs> They're just no- Wow. Little Piddles threw a bottle. I just feel sorry for his butler who had to clean it up after this Ledoux boy. Grow up and drink a bush and not a smoothie. That is from the 314. Uh, let's see. Uh, Jackson was very rude to the people in the chat. That's from the 636. That strikes me as surprising. I've never seen Jackson be rude one time in my life. Couldn't be further from the truth. I was... People, there were some people in there rude to me, uh, but you know, pass right, <laughs> pass right over that. And if they were, I just ignored it or said like, "They're tr- this is a clear troll." And um, and I, I was very thankful of everyone who joined into the live stream and hung out and sent some comments and watched the game with me. So you had hundreds of people watching, right? Uh, the first game, the second game, it's a Saturday, and I didn't really promote it because like we weren't, you know, we weren't on 101 on Friday and TMA was different. I, and I wasn't like for sure I was going to stream because it's you know, Saturday night I might have done something else, but I did. And uh, so the numbers weren't as good on uh, Saturday, but the numbers were awesome on Thursday and people were really enjoying it. So it was fun. I loved doing it. And I thought I was respectful of all of those who, who came in and joined me. Are you embarrassed that it has been captured now forever on the internets with you shoving that water bottle and and there and that, that that's probably a gift now. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I am. Yeah, like you know, kind of like you know, kind of wish to keep that private. But also, shame is the thief of joy, Tim. And uh, hold on a second, I'm going to write that down. Shame is the thief of joy. Yeah, huh. yeah. Like I, uh, you know, I'm a guy who wears his heart on his sleeve, and uh, that's me. That is unfiltered. That is me. So. You either embrace it or you try, you can't, you know, a leopard can't change its spots. So I am who I am. I am who I am. And that's me. That's me at my worst. And then there's times where I'm elated. You probably saw it on Thursday afternoon, Mm -hmm. uh, maybe after a Des Moines Hodge go ahead three, where I was freaking out and excited. So, you know, there's two sides to every story. I watched Jackson intermittently throughout both games. All his responses seemed 100% genuine. Refreshing to hear. That's from the 314. There you go. How about that? Thank uh, you. Hang in there, Jackson. There's always next year for Mizzou. That's from the 314. Yeah. Uh, I feel for you, Jackson. It was a tough loss and a disappointment. It was a fun season that I hope you can look back on positively with time. That's Absolutely. from the 636. Look at this. I look back on look it positively this. now. Like, seriously, I do. I do look back on it. It gave me some some super awesome moments and memories. I mean, you start with like the bragging rights game and like me being there and just how big of a lead they took. And then 
you know, the win in, at Tennessee was incredible. The home game against Iowa State and the throwback uniforms was awesome. There's, a, you know, so many awesome moments this season. So I'm not going to be too upset for too long. The gentleman who said you were rude in the chat said you insulted one guy for not knowing some weird basketball term. That's ah, okay. Years. So he's referring to Thursday when I kept saying that Mizzou needed to get paint touches. Yeah. I.e. getting paint touches, paint touches, getting Kobe Brown, the ball in the lane or just outside the lane, the short corner to have the defense sag in or even send a double will open up shooters, which is exactly what happened. Uh, the guy said, I don't know what a paint touch is. And I said, it's getting the ball in the lane. And I might have thrown in like a it's kind of self-explanatory. But then I apologized for if I came off condescending. Oh, wow. OK, so you had a moment of clarity. With right. So this thing. person well, is a moment of truthful. Okay, well, there it is. So now it's been, so I would hope that you will sue for, for some kind of slander uh, for the 636. In the meantime, it is now time for the Little Piddles Wild Weekend Wrap-Up. Yeah, so uh, Wild Weekend Wrap-Up. I'm going to uh, I'm going to start with a, a question, because uh, my first question about Mizzou, but I'm going to move back. We talked a lot about Mizzou. So uh, this one is woof, 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 woof. That's right. That's a woof per victory. 4-0 and to start. Top of the table for St. Louis City SC and setting the record for the best start for an expansion team in MLS history. Not to mention that even in sub-freezing snow flurry conditions, they were able to draw a good crowd to enjoy the game. We were both very high on this being a smash hit in St. Louis, but did you ever expect this? Do you think this club can carry the momentum throughout the entire season? Well, when you are uh, giving me or us credit for anticipating this being a smash hit in St. Louis, let it be clear uh, that uh, my anticipation of it being a smash hit had nothing to do with the product on the field. It had to do with the atmosphere and the fans, the younger and energetic fans that I thought the dogs would bring to City Park. That, to me, was relatively easy to see, although I did not expect it to be as incredible as both atmospheres have been for the two wins so far. I did not expect, nor did I have any clue, nor do I really have any clue now, to be real honest with you, uh, about the teams in the MLS, the rosters in the MLS. All I knew is I would be pulling for the St. Louis team and watching, but I never I mean, ever. I wonder what kind of odds you could have gotten, Jackson, if you would have said to the fine people, loyal sponsor of this program, FanDuel, hey, I would like to take the dogs to be 4-0 and out of the gate and what a $100 bet would have paid on that. I'm dead serious when I say I think I think you could have gotten plus 10,000 on that. Yeah, probably. I, think, I mean, to go 4-0. and I mean, there's no other team. It's 4-0. and Right. Um, and, 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 and by the way, I realized the first three games had some weird things happen to benefit the dogs, but this past Saturday against San Jose, it was a flat out clinic. Yeah. Clean sheet. It was never in doubt. Clean sheet. Thank you. I like that hashtag clean sheet, but also just dominating. So this now at this point, after four games, you go, okay, well, hold on a second. Maybe this isn't just like a fluky deal. Maybe this is. For real. But what is absolutely for real is the atmosphere in that building. It is phenomenal. And it was truly put to the test with the conditions on Saturday. They will not play another game 
with weather that cold. No. I, I rarely do too many pronouncements. I gave you Princeton plus 15. That might be my last pronouncement for a while. Happened to hit Princeton plus 15 against Arizona for the record, not against Missouri. Um, but th- this was as rough as it could be for an outdoor game for an expansion team with regards to not having thunderstorms, but right. that kind of cold yet snow flurries and the atmosphere is just phenomenal. And that energy in the building, not only do I think it does, I think it transfer to the players, but I also think fans feed off of it that you want to be in the building for the games. And so it creates an atmosphere and everybody who goes talks about the atmosphere and how they're standing the whole time and everybody's into it. It's absolutely incredible. And I love seeing it in St. Louis. Couldn't agree more, Tim. Absolutely could not agree more. All right, this next question, uh, pack a lunch real quick. History was made again on Friday as Fairleigh Dickinson defeated Purdue in the second ever 16-verse-1 defeat tournament history. On the surface, it's a crazy upset, but when you look under the hood, it goes even deeper than that. Fairleigh Dickinson was not only a first-four team, meaning a play-in team, but they also weren't even supposed to be in the tournament. They lost their conference championship to Merrimack, a school who still cannot participate in the tournament due to their recent promotion to Division One. On top of that, FDU is the smallest team in Division One's men's basketball in height, and they beat a team who features an All-American standing at seven foot four. And for the cherry on top, FDU is ranked 301 in the Nets, 299 in Kempom, and 68 out of 68 for teams in this tournament. Prisoner moment of the side, is this the biggest upset in college hoops history? Possibly one of the biggest upsets in sports history. Wow. You are going very Mike Greenberg here with the prisoner of the moment thing. My answer to, well, if my answer to the, the second question is uh, or the first question is no, then the second question is obviously right. no. Right. And by that, I mean one of the biggest. My guess is you disagree. Well, I think that I don't disagree entirely because I think March Madness is more designed than any other sporting event for upsets. So in that sense, you kind of have to put like a governor on it. Like you can't like it's kind of like a curve to it. Like because March Madness breeds upset. However, when you I just like the stat of they are the shortest team in Division One basketball, and they stopped Zach Eady, who's seven foot four, and the number one seed in Purdue. Like that alone is pretty unbelievable. I just think it's a great story. I don't know if it's the greatest upset in sports or college history. I'm not going to like go through the history of it, but I just thought that it was a a fun question to ask when you're given all of the stats. Well, to to your credit, you were talking about how you weren't necessarily sold on Purdue as a one seed. Um, it felt like they were vulnerable. I recall you saying that. You yeah. also uh, called uh, the upset. Uh, which upset did you call? It was a four seed, right? Four, oh, four, no, I said people were too Purdue. high on uh, the Furman over Virginia. I was completely wrong on oh, that Oh, I apologize. Yeah. All right. I, I was completely wrong on, wrong on that one. Okay. Well, Purdue had uh, lost, what, four or five times since February 1st, four times since February 1st going into the NCAA tournament. And that's not necessarily real common for a number one seed. Correct. Uh, although they were able to win the Big Ten tournament, so they righted the ship, albeit against Rutgers and Ohio State, and then they finished off Penn State. So, I, 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 yes, they're a number one seed, but one of the things we talked about with regards to this NCAA tournament, and so this is not an after-the-fact take. Those are very easy to make is when you look at the four number one seeds versus some other NCAA tournaments, 
you don't necessarily have this dominating set of four teams where you find yourself going, I hate to do it, but I'm going to put three number one seeds in my bracket in the final four. Purdue, certainly vulnerable. You were talking about Houston's vulnerability. They were very, they tip your cap. They came back against Auburn, but that looked like that was going to come to an end. And Kansas, granted, no Bill Self on the sidelines. They're gone. Um, Alabama, the top overall seed. So with that said, it doesn't necessarily surprise me that much relative to, relative to talking about the biggest upsets in sports. When you talk about biggest upsets in sports, I just don't think that this one will be there because I think you're going to start seeing more and more. I mean, I just it, in 2001 when I and the only reason I remember because I was there for Mizzou playing Duke in the NCAA tournament in Greensboro and everybody was watching it. Iowa State lost uh, to a number 15 seed and it was the biggest deal in the world. And now this this feels like it happens more often, not to say that it's expected, but that it's more commonplace. And it's not parity, but the probability has increased of it taking place. And again, Purdue was a bit wobbly. So I just I, I get when you're talking about Fairleigh Dickinson's size, both as a school and as a roster. But, you know, if, if you would have been talking about take your pick of one of these dominating teams throughout the course of a season that had maybe lost one or two games, uh, yeah, I just I, 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 like Jackson, I think Norfolk State over Missouri was a bigger upset than than Purdue. And mm-hmm. and maybe that's that's coming through the lens of being a Missouri fan. But I don't know. I just I, Purdue, when I saw that they were losing, I'm like, oh, they're not going to come back. This is a team that could actually lose. So I view it through the, my perspective on Purdue. Obviously, I know nothing about Fairleigh Dickinson, but <laughs> yeah. uh, I watched him. I watched him again last night and I was pulling for him yeah. uh, against Florida Atlantic. I would have loved to have seen him make it to the Sweet 16. I do like Florida Atlantic, though. That's uh, I like their story and you know, they're a really good team. But yeah, I'm, I think that the Purdue losing to FDU is, is worse than Mizzou losing Norfolk State just based on the size discrepancy alone. But to Fairleigh Dickinson's credit, they used that to their advantage. And I did say Purdue was kind of a house of cards along with the whole Big Ten. I didn't expect them to lose to the 16 seed, but I thought that they would be vulnerable down the road. But yeah, it's too difficult. You can't make the claim of like, it's the greatest upset in sports history. I just think it's a fun exercise to kind of think of some other ones and then uh, look at this one, given that context. All right. I got one more question, Tim. All right. Jose Altuve makes superstar number two that will miss this uh, part of the season due to an injury sustained at the World Baseball Classic with Edwin Diaz already slated to miss the entire season. Do you think in the future teams will be more cautious about sending players off to this event or other non-MLB-related events to protect their assets? How do you think Cardinal fans will react if Arenado or Goldie went down with an injury at the WBC? I'll be furious, as I'm sure Mets fans are right now and Astros fans are right now. The thing about it is a lot of this is results oriented. And by that, I mean, were you unhappy going into the World Baseball Classic that major league players who have been playing in the World Baseball Classic were playing in this event? Or did you only become unhappy about it if you are indeed unhappy about it after guys got injured? Because, of course, when making decisions, we don't have the luxury of knowing the results when making the decisions. Otherwise, we would never make an incorrect decision. Right. So the NBA has guys playing in the Olympics. The NHL has guys playing in the Olympics. One might say, well, the Olympics are in a different stratosphere versus the World Baseball Classic. Listen, when it gets down to it, this is the decision that Major League Baseball has made to have their players playing this in an attempt to market the game globally. 
And so this is the risk. It's an incredibly unfortunate risk. Fortunately for the Cardinals, Nolan Arnato is fine. But if you were watching that last night as the United States beat up on Cuba, uh, I'm sure as a Cardinal fan, you're going, oh, my God, you got to be kidding me. You know, the season starts in 10 days and a guy who's a legitimate big time, legitimate candidate to be the most valuable player could be out for a sustained period of time because he's playing in what many would call an exhibition game that has very little value and the Cardinals are paying a salary, but it's a major league baseball tie-in. And so while I personally am not all that into it, clearly if you saw Trey Turner's home run on Saturday night against Venezuela uh, and Trey Turner's home run last night before that game had already been decided, uh, there are a lot of people who are into this and this is baseball's attempt at marketing it. And, and I would include the players in there. Adam Wainwright has been giving sound bites for the ages uh, talking about this thing. So I understand the frustration. If it were a Cardinal, I would be frustrated too. But you knew the risk going into it, and that's a baseball decision. And that's just the way that it goes, unfortunately. Yeah, totally agree. Yeah, You can get hurt in a spring training game, and then you'd go, oh, my God, these spring training games right. are worthless. Right, you know? exactly. And then, like you said, mentioned basketball, hockey, a bunch of different sports do stuff outside of the competition where they get paid the most money uh, representing their country. And that's important to a lot of players, and you don't want to take that away from them just because a couple guys get hurt. I'm, I'm with you, Tim. All right. Uh, we will take a commercial break. Jeremy Rutherford is going to join us coming up. Uh, Tim McKernan, Action Jackson with you here on the program. This is Balloon Party, driven by Munganas, St. Louis Acura on 101 ESPN. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. We're right back to the balloon party on the Tim McKernan podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Welcome back. It is Balloon Party, driven by Munganess, St. Louis Acura here on 101 ESPN. Tim McKernan in action. Jackson with you on the program. Get involved anytime you would like by utilizing the Air Comfort Service text line 314-399-9646. Jeremy Rutherford will be with us here in just a few minutes. Uh, Ali Marmol saying this morning that he was texting with Nolan Arnato last night right after uh, he was removed from the game. Um, and uh, Marmol said this morning over at Roger Dean Stadium where the Cardinals will take on the Marlins here in a couple of hours, quote, he's good, actually was able to text back and forth, literally felt like seconds after he got hit. He responded pretty quickly. He feels good. Everything came back great. Scary for a minute. Glad he is okay. Uh, So, Nolan Arenado, the tests were negative. Everything is fine. 
He should be playing when the United States plays in the championship game, and then he should be back with the Cardinals as they wrap up the spring training schedule and then head north a week from Thursday to take on the Blue Jays opening up the season. And last night, if you did indeed watch the World Baseball Classic, you got to see Wainwright, Michaelis, Goldschmidt, and Arenado all play a key role in the United States' victory over Cuba. Jackson, your thoughts? I watched the video of that Goldschmidt home run. The way he just pulls, his, he's able to pull his hands in and get around on the baseball that's that inside. And I think it was like 112 exit velo. He's an unbelievable hitter. And it's just pure strength, too. Like, he's just chopping at it. It's pure strength. Great to see. And it's really great to see Wayno and Michaelis both pitch well. Because obviously, I think uh, most Cardinal fans would agree that the pitching rotation is probably the biggest question mark heading into the season. So, to see Wayno and Michaelis perform well is, uh, is a very good sign for things to come. Obviously, it's just one start, but it's good to see. Four innings, uh, and uh, you can wager on a few different uh, props here with regards to the Cardinal pitching staff, if you are feeling it one way or the other. Uh, Adam Wainwright total wins this year over under 10.5. Jordan Montgomery wins this year over under 10.5. Miles Michaelis over under total wins this year 10.5. They're all even uh, in that Cardinal pitching staff. Nolan Arenado over under on total hits. 155.5 total home runs, 28.5 and RBIs, 100.5. I got to be honest with you. Maybe I'm maybe I'm off the mark here. I just get the sense that that guy is on an absolute mission. And I would go over on those things. I really would. I don't know. I could be off the mark on it. Let me make it clear. I'm not sitting here and going, hey, I've, I've run my algorithms and I've done a thousand simulations and this is a lock. But that that strikes me as uh, as a little low. Whereas I I would love to see Adam Wainwright win double digit wins in his final season. I would take the under on the ten and a half wins. I mean, in part just because it's tough to win double digit games anyway, much less when you're in the at the point he is in his career. Uh, Paul Goldschmidt, who you were just commenting on uh, his uh, swing and the way he is performing, his over under batting average is two eighty five. Jackson mm. total hits one fifty eight point five. Total home runs thirty point five, and he has the same over under on total RBIs one hundred point five. So that is there. Uh, for the taking Ryan Helsley total saves over under 28 and a half so there are some prop bets for you for the upcoming Cardinal season which is approaching quite quickly yeah the only thing I could think of with the double digit wins on the pitching staff is that I think maybe Vegas thinks that the offense is going to be very dynamic where you know if a pitcher gives up three runs they're still very much in contention for a win because the Cardinals are going to score a lot which is the hope. I mean, based on those numbers for Goldie and Arenado, that's, uh, if they go over on all those numbers, it's probably going to be a very good season for the Cardinals if they got a couple guys with almost 30 home runs and uh, more than 100 RBIs. So I like it. I, I agree with you on the Arenado thing. I think he is destined for another big season. Uh, somebody just texted in, what are Wainwright's odds on winning the Cy Young? I'll see if it's available. Um, for the record, uh, there's an expectation that there will be a repeat with Alcantara uh, at plus 500, Corbin Burns plus 600, Justin Verlander plus 700. For those of you who are not wagering aficionados, 
that means if you bet $100, you would win in Alcantara's place uh, $500. Uh, let us take a look here. Jordan Montgomery is plus $12,500. Mm-hmm. There is a Cardinal play for you. God, there's got to be. If, if Montgomery's got a listing, you would have to. The Michaelis is plus 20000 Ooh. And Wainwright, I do not see a number on Adam Wainwright. Uh, National League MVP, Juan Soto is the favorite at plus 500. Mookie Betts, plus 850. Paul Goldschmidt, plus 1100. And my Nolan Arenado play would get you plus 1200. I like that Arenado play. I like, I'd probably like it a little more than Goldschmidt at this moment. Yeah, Goldschmidt's plus 1100. Arenado, plus 1200. All right, Cardinals and Marlins today. Cardinals and Nationals tomorrow. And World Baseball Classic coming to a close as well. So the Cardinals will have their full roster here in a matter of days. All right, we'll take a commercial break. Come back with our final segment. Jeremy Rutherford is going to join us on the other side of the break. I am going to ask him this question, Jackson. Uh If you are prepared, I'm going to tease the question. and, And maybe he's listening. I know he is a... Loyal listener of the uh, of the program. I like this one. Here's what I got for him. All right. We're about to undergo another rebuild. The prior rebuild began when Bill Laurie was selling the team ultimately to the Jay of Checkets group. It's fair to say that fans have more confidence in this rebuild being quicker. How much of that is due to ownership? JR's gotten to know Tom Stillman very well. How would he contrast Stillman with Bill Laurie or Dave Tech- Checkets? What makes Stillman and his group different? And what therefore will make this rebuild? different. We'll find out what Jeremy Rutherford has to say coming up next. This is Balloon Party, driven by Munganess, St. Louis Acura, and Alton Toyota on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Balloon Party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. It's time for the Rutherford Report on 101 ESPN. Anything you folks want to know about the fascinating world of pro hockey, here we go. Welcome back. It's Balloon Party, driven by Munganess, St. Louis Acura here on 101 ESPN. Timothy Michael McKernan, Action Jackson with you, and it is our pleasure to welcome to the program, ladies and gentlemen, the great Jeremy Rutherford. Good morning, JR. Morning, Tim. How you doing, buddy? I'm wonderful. What's the good word? Tell me the good word. Ah, uh, the good word. The good word. I was listening to the show, and uh, it's funny. I was uh, on the treadmill, and you said, hey, we're going to ask Jeremy a question later. So what do I do? I text Jackson, and I say, hey, what's this question going to be? And uh, like he always does, he prepares well in advance, way ahead of time. And he said, I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> Ryder, if you could, cut that up for a promo. I gave a thumbs up. <laughs> Oh, that's so outstanding. God, that makes me so happy. Uh, all right, here, here is the question. This is the big reveal because nothing makes for better answers than not knowing the question. It's kind of like a beauty pageant. We get, we get you up on stage and then we give you a question. Here is the question for you. We're about to undergo another rebuild. The prior rebuild began when Bill Laurie was selling the team ultimately to the Check It's group. It's fair to say that fans have more confidence in this rebuild being quicker. How much of that is due to ownership? Uh, You have gotten to know Tom Stillman quite well. How would you contrast Stillman with Bill Laurie, with Dave Checkets, and what makes Stillman and his group different? There you go. Wide open for you, sir. That's an easy one. Well, first of all, I have to state that I took over right when the Laurie's were selling, so I don't have uh, a lot of background knowledge. 
on them. I was aware of what happened during the ownership, but uh, I can speak for Checkets and I can speak for Stillman. And that answer is easy. Let me take you to uh, the game last week. I walked into Tom Stillman's suite. I was uh, scheduled to do an interview with him. And I opened the door, and I'm expecting to see 10 or 15 people, people glad-handing, people, you know, big pockets, haven't seen each other in a while, they're having a drink. And I walk in, and the suite, Tim, is completely empty, except for Tom Stillman. Tom Stillman, he's sitting front row, center, like elbows on his knees, leaning forward, watching the play back and forth, end to end. And I sat next to him. And he's ooing and on and come on and go, let's go. And, and so the answer to the question is, this guy cares so much, and along with his group of investors. And we knew from the start that when they got involved, they said, hey, look, we're not the owners. We're the guardians. Uh, we're going to watch this franchise moving forward. That's a complete opposite than Dave Checkett's. If I would have walked into Dave Checkett's suite, you know, 2006 to whatever, uh, there would have been that group of people. And that's not to say there haven't been on nights with Stillman, but I, I think that Dave Checkett's, it was about the image. It was about the I'm a owner in the NHL. It was about, you know, let's get on the news. Let's be on TV. Let's go out and, and uh, have people talking about us where this ownership has put the money uh, where its mouth is. And I think that uh, they really care. And I think that's why you're going to see uh, what they're doing moving forward be probably quicker than you would have seen it back with Check It. It's interesting to me. You would, you absolutely would have the better knowledge um, as far as the interaction goes. But I think what you are saying, Jr., is what the perception is. And oftentimes, I think perception of people or situations can differ from what the actual reality is. But I think in this case, the perception with Tom Stillman is he is not in it for what you just said. The Checkets Group and plenty of other owners in sports are in it for, which is the image. Look, I own a professional sports team, and this is about a, a vanity buy. Uh, I really do get the sense that this is about championships and St. Louis. And I don't know what else to say outside of I think it comes off as genuine. And that is why the Blues get some passes in St. Louis that perhaps – other teams in other markets wouldn't. And I think a lot of that is a reflection of the ownership group. Yeah, and I agree. And I think it is, it is genuine. And I've been around every step of the way, you know, interviewed Tom and, and his group, uh, especially Tom, you know, hundreds of times. And every time you talk to him, it's just all about the team and the city and the fans. And look, uh, I wrote an article probably about a year or two ago where Tom came out and said, when we bought the team and we became the majority uh, owners back in 2012, uh, they had no intentions of spending to the salary cap. They just didn't. And it was climbing. It was jumping three, four million every single year. And, and Tom kept giving Doug Armstrong the green light and it allowed this team to stay competitive. Doug gets a lot of credit and rightly so for keeping this team competitive, but it's what the ownership has done uh, spending to the salary cap. And, and that's all just the passion for trying to make this a good team. And without that, there wasn't a Stanley Cup in 2019. So uh, there's going to be a lull at some point, but in terms of getting it turned around, uh, you got a group here in this ownership group that will uh, really do whatever it can to make that uh, happen sooner than later. There it is. Jeremy Rutherford giving us his perspective on what was, up until moments ago, a top-secret question. I mean, that thing was under absolute lock and key. Uh, what did you think about last night? A, a, a wide variety of unique circumstances going on in a game that otherwise at this point would kind of fly under the radar, uh, whether it be with the net minding, the net minding skate situation, Tory Krug. Uh, what are your, what are your opinions on what we saw last night, Jared? Yeah. First of all, I got to say that, uh, isn't this a 2023, isn't this sports where 
early on, Tim, in the season, I would come on and you would say, what is wrong with this team? Why can't they win? And now they're winning and we're coming on and saying, gosh, why can't they lose? What? <laughs> <laughs> this is crazy. But, but yeah, the takeaway last night, uh, we interviewed Joel Hofer after the game, and he perhaps knew that he was staying. Sometimes they give the players a heads up. Uh, but, gosh, he didn't show it. He said, uh, enjoyed the time here. Come up here and get two wins. This is great. I thank them for the opportunity. Then we went in in to interview uh, Craig Bruby, and I said, uh, good situation for Joel to come up and win two games before he goes back. I guess he's going back, and and Craig Bruby said uh, he's staying. He's not going down. And so that was kind of the takeaway. He played well enough. Perhaps these two games changed their mind, and they're going to keep three goalies, it looks like, uh, for the for the time being at least, with just 13 games left. And, and so good for Joel Hofer comes up and really did a good job uh, in that for the Blues and gets them two wins, which uh, people are upset about. <laughs> they are indeed. Uh, the Blues now sitting with uh, 67 points, kind of in the middle of nowhere, you know? Not necessarily knocking on the door for, with uh, with the lowest point total. Uh, not even really close. I mean, damn near 20 more points than the Blue Jackets. And then not in the playoff race either. And that has people irritated. I've been listening to 101 for years and years and years, and I've never said this on air. Not great. Not great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, you think they're going to lose a few games down the stretch after uh, trading off their big guys and, and perhaps you don't know, get a higher percentage on that uh, counter Bedard. But as you look today, uh, they're tied for eighth fewest points in the league. So that's about a 5 or 6% chance to jump up and get that spot. And if you look at the rest of the schedule, 13 games, there's a couple uh, big opponents in there, the Bostons and so forth, but a lot of uh, pushovers. So it looks like the Blues could win a few more games down the stretch. There you go. That will make people rather unhappy. Uh, those who want to see them at least in tank for Bedard mode. JR, always enjoy the conversation, and uh, especially when we get to pop a surprise question on you for our uh, for our segments. Thank you so much for the time, sir. Have a wonderful week, JR. Anytime, brother. Talk to you guys. Thanks, Jerry. Take it easy. Jeremy Rutherford with us here as we wrap up Balloon Party, driven by Munganas, St. Louis Acura, and Alton Toyota. BK and Ferrario are coming up next for Action Jackson. I'm Tim McKernan. This has been Balloon Party, driven by Munganas, St. Louis Acura, and Alton Toyota on 101 ESPN. You've been listening to the Balloon Party on the Tim McKernan Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN.